Hey, you. You're looking good. Rochelle and Carter with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. I just imagine somebody eating a big handful of Cheetos right when they sit down. You say that and you're like, oh, really? You know what? Cheetos are good. They're good. So they would look good. And therefore, if you were eating them, you would look good. I would just laugh if I was eating a bowl of Cheetos and you said that. Uh, Unless this, you take the Cheetle and you rub it on your shirt. It is it is called Cheetle. It is called Cheetle. That's right. That is exactly. They've Cheetos. come up with a name for it. Uh, so we are Rochelle and Carter. We talk about what we're going through spiritually, just an audible form of, yeah, a, of a, a, a quiet time. Sometimes we throw in facts about our, our family and such just to have some fun, you know, get things started. Well, it was another family that we know. Their 10-year-old plays piano. And he's a bigger kid. They thought he was going to play football, but he loves piano. You know, your son plays piano, oh, Rochelle. He does. He does. He loves all the, the greats like Mozart and yes. Bach and Chopin. He is studying all of those. Really? Oh, but that's awesome. He comes to his mom the other day and he, and he says, I've learned a new one. Okay. And she's like, well, who? Tell, tell me about it. Uh, Von Holland. Von Holland. You know, a lot of them besides Mozart and Beethoven, she not familiar with anyway. So she's just like kind of racking her brain. Like, I don't what which one is that again? And so finally he actually pulls up a YouTube clip and he said, let me play you a little Von Holland. <laughs> uh, he meant Van Halen, 80s rock group. You mean 80s classic rock group. That's exactly right. Hey, it's classic music. It's classical. <laughs> I love this kid. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I like I like that. That's cute. Sometimes you don't know. You hear all those names and you're like, yeah, Von Holland. You go along with it. His mother was wise and was like, I don't know who this is. I don't know. And then it, it turned out to be pure gold. That was absolutely amazing. She's, I don't know if it's pre-David Lee Roth or post, you know, I <laughs> but I don't know. I, he's probably not that specific yet. I will tell you that she wrote it down somewhere in a journal and she's going to remember it later. I remember when he said she's that. She's going to tell that as a wedding. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Ammo for later. <laughs> Good ammo. Uh, yeah, it's. It's fun that the journaling thing, I've, I've tried my hand at it recently, and I'm off and on with that. I, I used to never write anything down, and but it forces me to kind of put in thought form, and it forces because I'm not very good at handwriting anymore. Have you noticed that? If you don't use it, you lose it. That's true. Everything is text or type or whatever, but handwriting out something, it forces you. It's like, okay, I don't want to be lengthy with my thought because this is hurting my hand right now. So Yeah, I, my hand hurts on a thank you note. <laughs> Yes, I've had to redo so many thank you notes. Started out real strong, and then it's like, oh. And I'm not talking about the thought. I'm talking about the cursive. Yeah, it's just, yeah. oh, that looks looks like a hieroglyphic. <laughs> they don't speak Egyptian. Anyway, <laughs> ancient Egyptian, I should say. So uh, I've been trying doing some journaling, and I've been reading this incredible devotional book called uh, a, a Moment to Breathe. And it was gifted to me a couple birthdays ago from a dear friend who volunteers actually with KSBJ, which you can listen to us in the morning time, KSBJ, weekdays. Uh, I It was a very interesting thought in terms of friendship. I guess I never really thought about. And she said, you know, the worst breakup I ever had, this is in the devotion. Okay. Worst breakup I ever had was not with a guy I was dating and I thought, what does that even mean? She said it was with my best friend. Oh. And it got me thinking about breaking up with somebody. I don't think I've ever, have you ever done that? Like, I can't see you anymore. And this is just a friend. Yeah, I, uh, I have somebody in my life that has done that. Mm -hmm. And what I would do typically. you do, Somebody, okay, but it wasn't with you. 
No, it wasn't with me. Right. Um, because what I would do is just kind of, if I really felt that I, you know, church camp, they'd tell you when you're in youth, maybe when you get back to home, you, you stop hanging out with the crowd, that crowd that you shouldn't be hanging out with. So I would just eventually like kind of fade away yeah. if I've ever made those decisions before. Yeah. But this was such a close but toxic friendship, mm-hmm. a lot of sarcasm, a lot of uh, complaining about the other person. So the person that I know actually had a conversation with their friend and said, I cannot have you in my life anymore. Mm. I cannot do this. And we, we, because I've already had the conversations, you know, this is what my friend said. I've already had the conversations where I can't put up with that. Please don't complain. Please don't be sarcastic. And it didn't work mm. over literally months and years. Okay. And the words had to be said, I, we cannot be friends anymore. Wow. And I will always love you, but we cannot be friends anymore. Yeah. That sounds like, well, she obviously initiated the breakup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, the, the person that was writing the devotional, it sounded like she was the one that was broken up with. Oh, is that right? So her best friend broke up with her. That's what it sounded like. And the devastation of that, she said it was more impactful than any relationship she had had that had gotten broken off with, with a man. Um, because this was a girl that she had from years before told all of her deepest, darkest secrets to. When you're BFFs, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You gal pal, you hang out. And she didn't go into detail as to why this got broken off, but she was really blessed by a passage in scripture uh, regarding Paul, the apostle Paul in the book of Acts. It talks about in chapter 15, his time with Barnabas. They had been partners in, I almost said partners in crime. Yeah, Part- those part- apostles did a lot of crime. <laughs> Partners in ministry. Well, they got thrown in jail a lot. So, <laughs> well, I guess know. that's true. But they had been in ministry together for a very long time. There was this other guy named John Mark, and he was also hanging out with them. At one point, though, he up and leaves the ministry. It doesn't really kind of go into detail as to why. It says, I, I need to go. I need to go here. So he leaves Paul and Barnabas. It sounds like from what happens in the book of Acts chapter 15, Paul was like, huh, interesting. He just up and left us because he refers to that with Barnabas when Barnabas is like, hey, I want I want John Mark to come back with us and be part of this. No, uh-uh. no, he's not coming with us. I'm not down with that. I don't want him to be here because you remember when he he abandoned us? Hmm. I mean, that's kind of the wording in the word. Uh, man, that's strong language, but something must have happened. Something went down and a friendship was broken off. But it was interesting. I. All the nitty-gritty that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he leaves it in there. He doesn't try to sugarcoat. This is what happens sometimes. It doesn't mean John Mark was a terrible person. Maybe, who knows, he thought Paul was overbearing. I don't know. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Barnabas is like, hang in there. Yeah, I'm making that up. I don't know what happened. But this is mainly between Barnabas and Paul. Yeah. And it says something to the effect of they went their separate ways, and then we don't hear about them together again. Yeah, if you'd like to read about it again, Acts... 15, 36 through 41, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them. That's a strong word. Hmm. And uh, he deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement, it says, that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. 
commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. So we get this incredible account of stories that take place then that follows with Paul and Silas. There are some pretty famous accounts with the two of them uh, that probably wouldn't have happened had somehow he and Barnabas made up. Yeah, that's a good point. They were... They could cover more ground, I guess, if you will. But Barnabas continued his ministry. It wasn't like he stopped. So you think sometimes it's like, okay, when there's a breakup, everything has to stop. It's over. But interestingly, in this devotional where this woman was just being real with how her friend had broken it up with her, she said, I grew in ways I didn't even realize because I was immature. I was behaving in a way I didn't even realize that I wasn't behaving the way I wanted to be behaving as a Christ follower. And when I had that friendship ripped apart, she said it was like a sheet being ripped up. It was ragged and ugly. God wove it into this uh, beautiful tapestry because I started seeing all the ways where I wasn't, I wasn't owning what I needed to own. Hmm. I wasn't becoming the person I needed to become. And I just thought that was fascinating. So even in the, the story of your friend who had to break it up with, their friend, you know, sometimes you, you guilt trip, especially if you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something like that, to break off a friendship or relationship, you have to trust that God's going to take care of that other person. Yeah. But if you're the person who somebody broke it off with, instead of getting defensive and frustrated, which clearly there's going to be some grieving that needs to happen in your life, especially if they're a good friend. But I have to remember in those moments, if that ever happens to me, Lord, what are you trying to tell me if you let this touch my life you're trying to tell me something is there anything out of this i can glean if nothing else i can grow closer to you that's for sure you are never going to leave me or forsake me but is there something i can learn from this yeah i i think it's two things that come to mind we have so many of these christian niceties that we feel like we have to be everybody's friend Mm -hmm. and have to be nice to everybody now we should be loving to everyone but this, uh, even some of the small talk and things that we just put the pressure on ourselves, the pressure shouldn't be there. Well, give me an example. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. When it comes to, when it comes to, I'll, I want to bring up actually that specific example of Barnabas. Because Barnabas was the one that kind of stuck up for Paul in the beginning, right? He is an encourager, yeah. And it, some of those guys wouldn't, like Peter wouldn't have come around if it wasn't for Barnabas saying, no, Paul's legit. Paul's the real deal now. He spoke up for him. You know, when somebody puts in there, his name is behind that person. Wow, that's a big deal. I think there are seasons and that's okay. Hmm. And that's my example that I'll use. That that was a season between Paul and Barnabas and then they had a disagreement and and we just haven't heard. Maybe they did get back together, if you will. That's probably not likely. If they didn't before heaven, they certainly made up after. So I think... I think to those times where, well, okay, I'll give an example in my life. My seventh grade, uh, excuse me, my childhood friend that lived next door to me, Colin, uh, he moved away in seventh grade. Now, the whole time, we also never went to school together because he went to a Catholic school and I was in public school. And But I just knew him. Nobody else did, or at least none of my friends did. And we had this, you know, cool neighborhood friendship. He moves away in seventh grade. And when I was a sophomore in college, he invited me to be a groomsman in his wedding. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen him like one time in between. Oh, wow. And I just felt a lot of pressure. I said, yes, I did it. You know, we go up, a, a stayed over to go to his wedding. And then I didn't put him in my wedding. And my mom at least thinks that we might have offended his family because I didn't put him in my wedding. And I just have had to get over that. I don't mm-hmm. think about it a lot, but I think yeah. of, like, man, it was a season. And 
and and that's fine that he invited me for his like that's what he wants to do but it's okay that there are seasons of friendships and with this christian nicety stuff we feel like we have to be every everybody's best friend forever yeah and it's just not even feasible and there's this pressure that will just i think just freeze in guilt and try to make everybody happy Instead of concentrating on who God put around us. So there was a time where Jesus was approached um, by some Pharisees and Sadducees. And it, it happened a lot in his three years of ministry. And they would basically come, they would take him to task with the words that he had shared. Mm-hmm. Huh. And they would try to catch him and stuff. And right. But it was one setting where Jesus said some stuff. It was very halting to a lot of people. They were like, whoa. It got them a little nervous, and this group of people had been following Jesus. It wasn't always 12 disciples. Yeah, yeah. There was a bunch of people following Jesus, and it says, and they followed him no more. After this encounter, after what was shared was shared, and it stopped them in their tracks. They were like, I don't know if I can handle what you're saying, and they followed him no more. Did Jesus stop and go after them? No. No, he let them go. Because I, I don't think they were ready yet for what it was that he had to share. And so whenever you're faced with a set of circumstances, you're like, okay, I, what does the Bible say about that? What did Jesus do? What, did, what happened in the scenario with Paul? Did it get fixed? Was a bow put on it at mm. the end of the day? And if there was, I mean, it's so, sometimes, I mean, obviously we don't know what happened with Paul. There was no bow put on the end of that story. It was left raw. But it's important to see that these were people that they still dealt with struggle, arguments. Why? Because we are going to deal with that. If we're sugarcoating the Christian walk, we are not doing anybody who's even thinking about following Christ any good. Because mm-hmm. they're going to think, well, why is this happening to me? I'm following Jesus. Life happens. He said, I will give you life and give it more abundantly. And you recognize that life isn't always great. Sometimes it can be it can be tr- trying. It needs to be more about truth uh, and boldness and love, yeah. sincere love, than it does niceties, small talk, pressure, these these things showing up every week to church just to impress people. Yes. That kind of stuff. Showing up to every, to every church every week is good. But if you're doing it just so people don't ask where you are and judge you, yeah. that's and that's the kind of stuff I've fought my whole life, just trying to make sure we're impressing people or something. And it's it's just dumb. I think nice is different than being kind. It is. It's very different. I think kindness, you, you need to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can do it with kindness. Yeah. And if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, and again, that's, well, how do I know if I'm being led? You know, because it's that still small voice. It's that feeling you get when you know that you've done the wrong thing. It's his gentle whisper. No, baby, that wasn't the right thing. And the more we squash it and push it down, the smaller it becomes. So I have to be careful of that in my own life. But I definitely, and I'm not proud to admit it, when I feel that nudge, that gentle nudge, don't do that. And I've gone ahead and done it anyway. Oh, man, I've grieved the Holy Spirit because you talk about best friend. He's my best friend. That's true. We're in this together. I recently read that when it talks about having communion with the Holy Spirit, um, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians that talks about that. That literally means partnership in Greek. And that's crazy that we have that authority. Yeah. 
that we're a partner and not with the Holy Spirit, just uh, being told what to do. So imagine somebody that your partner is with um, and doing something after they asked you specifically not to do it and you go against it and you do it anyway. That's not going to set well with anybody. Mm-mm. It's going to grieve them. It's going to make, why would you do that? And the Holy Spirit is very forgiving, but it, but I'm, I also need to be recognizing that this is a partnership. And just because he's going to forgive me doesn't mean I should do it anyway. Well, he'll forgive me later. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it can really go. Yeah. The, because, well, there's the, there's the line in the We the Kingdom song, Holy Water. Mm-hmm. I don't want to abuse your grace, but yeah. I need it every day. Oh, that's so good. It's kind of like a weird catch 22 type of thing that, yeah. all right, I am going to mess up every day, but I shouldn't just go, ah, it's fine. Like, I'll just do it anyway because. There's a difference. I think there's the knee-jerk response that, well, maybe that's not even a good example. But I think there's a difference when you purposefully set out to do something that God, that's like, uh, oh, this is going to be weird, but it's the difference between murder and and, and accidentally killing somebody, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When you kill somebody, you're still in the wrong. There's still responsibility that has to take place if it's, you know, involuntary manslaughter or something, there's still going to be accountability for the actions. Or even if it's in defense of a family member, a loved one, and you take somebody's life because you you know feel it's justified or whatever. The point is, if it's murder, it's premeditated. Yeah. So it's with sinning is the same. It's like if you've premeditated, the Holy Spirit says, no, Rochelle, and I go and do it anyway, I've been given a handbook that says no. That's true. I've set out purposefully to do something I shouldn't be doing. Can uh, a quick story. I don't want to take us too far away. And I do want to get to the still small voice here in a little bit. Um, and I have something else to add about friends. So there's just a lot going on. Um, <laughs> but I was just told this story by a guy I was on a trip with mm-hmm. and he was not living for Christ at the time. And he's at this like cabin thing. I, I, I walked in halfway through the story. And so there's just a bunch of people at this lake house that he's hanging out with. And there was an older couple that ran it. And they all knew that the older couple were like the crazy Christians. Right. Okay. So he goes inside by himself to get something else to drink or something. And she goes, Bobby, I just uh, feel that you are going to do something next weekend that not only hurts you, but hurts another family. Oh, wow. And of course, that sounds crazy, but what she didn't know verbatim and what nobody else knew at all was that he was planning to have an affair next weekend. Oh, wow. They had already talked about going somewhere together. Now, he wasn't married, but she was. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just broke. Mm-hmm. He just broke. And, and I can't remember if that's when he gave his life to the Lord or he kind of came back, but um, was just a, a little old lady. Yeah. Speaking that, into it. And listening to, she was listening to still a small voice. Yeah. It, it's just a crazy story, but it's absolutely amazing. He was obedient amazing. too. You can hear his voice and not obey it. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Glad. Well, she was, and then and then he was, because yeah. he called it off. So. That's awesome. Uh, so, I said this is twofold. This is the second fold. Uh, man, I've been eating too many Cheetos. Here's another fold for you. <laughs> Cheetle. Um, so, there's a lot, a lot of Cheetle. Um, when it comes to friends, I had a, a person in our small group say this the other day. We, in order to tell people about Jesus, we have fooled ourselves in this modern church that we have to become friends with them first. Okay. Now, I'm not the type of guy that stands out in the street corner and holds the sign. So I didn't even take it that way. But this pressure, I'll use that word again, that let's say you have a work acquaintance and you know they don't go to church. Okay. There's this pressure to, okay, I need to invite them over with their family, with my family this weekend, and I need to invite them to church, and then I need to grab coffee with them, and I need to... Why do we put that on ourselves when it could be 
building that friendliness at work and letting those conversations open up to where you can tell them about the gospel, maybe even sooner than you thought. Mm. We don't have to be everybody's best friend at all, much less to have to tell them about the gospel. I think distinguishing best friend in your scenario is going to be clarifying because sometimes at first your comments, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if I agree. But I understand what you're saying. It's like you want to see the job done, so you're going to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it uh-huh. in in trying to represent Jesus for this person yes. and get them to church and do all this stuff. But you don't have to invite them to anything. If you live your life in front of them. You know, we recently interviewed Candace Cameron. Um, she she was on the, the View for a really long time. Yeah, that's right. And you asked her the question if she had said anything impactful that might make a difference in the lives of the other people on the panel. That if off camera, Whoopi or Joy Behar or somebody said, I never thought about it like that. But her response was, actually, no, nobody's ever done that. (laughs) Yeah. But she said, Joy Behar, one of the things that she said to her, she would be the one person, she says, there's probably the most opposite in terms of political beliefs and other things. Uh The most opposite. But she was always the one that would look at me when I would talk and nod her head and say to her, I've seen you walk the walk. So I, even though I might not agree with you, I've witnessed your faith. And so I believe you. Yeah. And so when, when the phrase, you may be the only Jesus that somebody sees today is said, I think that's what it means. I am, am walking in the light of who Jesus is. I'm aligned with who he is. And therefore that is much more powerful sometimes than anything I can say. You've heard the statement. Preach the gospel everywhere. If necessary, use words. Right. Yeah, I love that quote. Because I could sit there and and quote scripture at Joy Behar all day, and she may not care about what my position is on a political thing because she doesn't know me. She hasn't seen my life in action with Jesus, right? But I, I thought that was a very fascinating thing for her to share. And and I guess that's my point is if let's take, take this coworker scenario, open up, ask about their life, talk to them in the break room, but don't feel like you have to invite them on the family vacation. And you might. You might. Absolutely. You I might. Have as many friends as you want. You might be that person who who knows no social boundaries. <laughs> All I'm saying is don't put too much on your own plate when God didn't ask you to. That's the main thing. Did you hear from God in that moment? Yeah. Because if not, you potentially could be doing what the Bible calls casting pearls before swine, which is it's not like we're calling people pigs, but, you know, it's like. Why would you put something precious before a trampling herd? Uh-huh. They're not ready uh-huh. to they're not ready to stop and look, "Hey, is that something special?" No, they're a trampling herd. But if you have a one-on-one moment, if God opens a door and maybe that's what we should be doing instead of praying, um, "Lord, help that person to be moved by the things I say." Lord, give me opportunities that will amount to something for your glory, for your kingdom. I want it to be about you. We are really thankful for the podcast, for the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, because if we try to say some of this on the air, oh it's going to be taken the wrong way. You try probably. to say it in two minutes and somebody goes, can't. they told me to break up with all my friends. <laughs> 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 no, 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 we didn't. We promise. Uh, the still small voice. This is a, a really quick and it's just like, man, I, I don't think about this enough. It's Jesus words in Mark 4 and it's um, just talking about uh, when you're you're looking for answers. And so he said, what is this? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, in verse 24, Mark 4. Then he said to them, be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, for as you do, more understanding will be given to you. Mm-hmm. 
And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation, but those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. Mm -hmm. And kind of just hit me the other night. I was going to watch a couple TV shows and I did, but I was like, let me stop before I just turn on the TV all night. And, and I read this, you know, and then it's like, man, I, I want to motivate myself to want to hear more. And I may have shared this before that, you know, when I get an actual revelation from God, I'm still stunned and it's just amazing. But so much of the time, I just feel like I know everything. Not mm-hmm. not like pompously, just like, I've been to church my whole life. I've heard that verse. I've heard that lesson. I've heard that sermon on that subject for yeah. the 15th time. And so I'm, I'm not really seeking out a whole lot of fresh perspectives because I, I, sometimes I just feel there's not a lot of fresh perspectives out there. Let me ask you something. Why do you continue to eat barbecue? Because it's good. Yeah, but you already know barbecue. I know, but it's good every time. It's good every time, right? So you eat one meal and you're done for the rest of your life? No. Right? So it's the same thing with I the word. see what you're doing. Yeah. I may know everything there is to know about culinary skills, but that doesn't help me necessarily in terms of my eating, staying alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I may know what I think I know everything about the word of the Lord. That doesn't mean I need to stop reading. Yeah. And, and and it's important that I get it daily in some fashion. I think it's, for me, I've come to a place of understanding. I have to read the Bible. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, that's, if some people I know have said, I can do audio Bible, that's great. It, you do what works for you. You feel like this has connected me to my Heavenly Father. This is great. You do what works for you, but that's what I, I have to do. And I see those two words in there that really stood out to me in the verse that you shared diligent and then desire is that right it it grows the desire okay according to the depth was of that your, your rewind longing noise? be kind rewind according to the depth of your longing to understand okay so the depth oh oh the very first word was be diligent to yeah. understand the meaning behind everything you hear so that's it, it how do you get to the place of depth though is diligence yeah, that's true. So how do you, what, what is diligence? Well, let's go back to elementary school, shall we? And all of the things that the teachers were trying to instill and probably mom and dad along the homework table, being diligent. If you study, you're going to make a good grade on the test. The more you study, the easier the material becomes to you. Mm-hmm. And actually, you may discover along the way, you enjoy reading. You enjoy math. Uh, that's not me. You enjoy history, whatever it was that you found yourself. Oh, I do enjoy this. God's saying, if you if you are diligent, if you keep at this, He will grow that desire for Him. He will, and and the depths yeah. there. Oh my word! I guess honestly, the way that I see it, sometimes, and this is just, I'm not saying this is good. Just hear me out. Um, that speaking of the homework table, I feel like. Some of the lessons that we've been taught, if you've been at church a long time, mm-hmm. you feel like it's just math problems. The same equation, mm-hmm. just with some different numbers. And if I think about it like history, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing that you've learned over and over, but it's maybe here it's worded differently. 
or here. I didn't know in right. World War Two that ah, it happened. You know, and I, I am truly fascinated with that. And so I think it's just racking my brain to realize that when I have been diligent, mm-hmm. I've seen some incredible things, even just reading the same verse again, but thought about it in a completely different way. And maybe even just because of the timing you read it in. I think you're describing seasons. Yeah. I think you're describing moments where you feel like you're on the mountaintop. That's the history moment at the table for you. That's okay. You, that's true. You appreciated history. But just because you might be given a math problem where you feel like you're in the valley. And again, if you're a mathematician, we are not knocking No, it's you. in the valley. I am. We're very, <laughs> the creative type struggle. I know we do. With the analytical. We respect it, but we hate it. <laughs> We're grateful for engineers. <laughs> Thank you for existing. But all right, let's say whatever it was that you didn't like at the table, the homework table. If you're in one of those moments, it doesn't mean that there still isn't a solution for it. And it can't be found. It is found. It's found somewhere along the line of studying and diligence. And again, it may not be your favorite, but you're so grateful once you find the correct answer because you will be validated by the teacher, right? You will be validated by the master for having found the answer where in the information he's provided for you. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'll agree. However, specifically with homework, some of those things I was just glad to be done with and I did not have a, I was just, it was only a feeling of relief that it was over. Well, can you imagine if you were done with cancer? That's true. You're relieved. Yeah, that's true. But there's, or what if you're in the midst of it? How is this going to get solved to my liking? You may only find out on the other side of heaven. God forbid, I don't want anybody to leave before their time, but the really great thing about following Jesus is that he's the one who hands out the ticket when it is our time and we can trust him with that. Um, But yeah, those are the types of valley moments we're talking about. They're not fun. But God's saying, listen, I work all things together for good for those who love me, who are called according to my purpose. And it's his purpose. It's not, my purpose lies in his purpose. So I have to always remember it's him and if I'm aligned with him. And to go along with that, just when you mentioned the still small voice earlier, we talked about that story about the guy that was going to have the affair. Yeah. Um, just for those who listen with open hearts and it is that, okay, this is, it's quieter than, than I would have thought. And it, it's simpler than I would have thought a lot of the time. And uh, it's just, I, I think so much of it in today's culture is blocking out distractions mm-hmm. and giving yourself some time. What a pastor, Jeff That's Wells good. is an incredible pastor in this area. And what he would say, he didn't say, do your 10 minutes, do your 30 minutes, nothing like that. He'd say, whatever it is for you, make it an unhurried time to spend with God. Yeah. And if it turns out to be 15 minutes, like, oh, okay, but as long as you weren't thinking about something else in the process and like, oh, got to get here, got to get there. I found for me, I will try to pray on the way to work, but I get distracted very easily by other drivers. And so just set it, trying to set aside an unhurried time with God. Yeah, that's really good. And how how does that work? You have to figure it out, probably. If you set a timer so that you're not constantly looking at the clock. Yeah, that's true. The timer will go off. And then it's wrap it up. And yeah. Then, you know, especially if you've got a commitment or something, work or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think driving in the car and praying for me, it always helps to have some sort of prayer template. The Lord's Prayer is something that really works um, to, to work off of. You know, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that even mean? Lord, you're our father. I'm I'm not an only kid. Your name is hallowed. How many names do you have? Let's go through it. My goodness, you are. And then start listing all these things off. And it becomes more of a conversation. I may not even end my prayer time at the end of the template, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. 
forever I, and ever, amen, may never come out of my mouth. But I will have had a really solid, thought-filled prayer time. And it'll, I think it goes easier for me, but at least you stay focused as opposed to... Yeah, getting distracted. What I like about you, Rochelle, is you. I mean, you make it a conversation, and even though you're following a template, it's it's not this. Uh, you don't just recite something, you know. Try not into to. talking to God. Uh, you talked about. Um, we ended on a song last week, I think. So you talked about uh, you are, and then how many names, and it reminds me of my music moment from the song Waymaker. Okay. And just the way that he says, I just sing it occasionally. Just only this part. The way he says, "You are." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before he gets into the second chorus. This is the Leland version, by the way, but here it is. I think it's right at the right part. No, that's the first chorus. All right, let me go ahead a little bit. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, right here. You are. This is what, let's see what you're listening for. Ah, I love it so much! I do, too. I think his his voice is incredible. It's just silky smooth, right? When he it says, is. you are. And it sets me up for all the things that he is. Yeah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, all the things that God is. Uh, it's an endless list, and it's fun to kind of play out with him. It's just like if, if your honey wrote it on a card to you. Sugar bear, schmoopy. I love all the ways that you take care of our family or, you know, all those kinds of lists that we create. God loves that. Where do you think it came from?